Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Alrighty, let's get started. You'll need uh, a Bible, so if you need one, the ushers will come by and give you one. If you want to keep this one, go ahead, make it yours. Okay, so obviously it's the holidays. It's not only the holidays, but we are finishing our series on the good and beautiful community. And another way to say the good and beautiful community is the church or the community of faith. Not only this church, but the other churches all together and individually. And, um, but because it's also the holidays, you have family stuff. And for some of you, you're like, oh, I just can't wait for Thanksgiving and Christmas because I get to see my family and we get to do this. And we get to do that. And there's that trip. And there's, then I get those presents. And then they make that food. And then some of you don't have joy, but you have this like pain and agony of like, oh, it's the holidays and it's Thanksgiving. I've got to make that phone call, but I don't want to make that phone call, but I got to make that phone call because that's what we do on Thanksgiving, but I don't want to see them. And there's that person that you don't talk to because, well, you know, that thing that happened. And so you just think about it all day long. So either way, this is an emotional time. And so since we're talking about family, let's talk about family. But we're going to talk about family in terms of being the good and beautiful community. This is what I mean by this. So we know of this church that brought in an outside organization to kind of look at them. So imagine, this would be, I just thought about that this morning. Imagine if you had an outside consultant come to look at your family and give you some input. So that's what these people did for their church. So they had these people come in and look at their church and how they interacted with each other and how they did whatever they did on Sundays during the week, a trip, whatever. Looked at everything of who they were. This was the recommendation from this outside organization, which was a Christian organization, looking into this church. So they sat down with the leadership team of the church and they said this. They said, quit looking at your church like a family. How do you like that? Um, and you know what? We are a church. That's, we say this all the time. We at Branches are a community faith, but we're a family expecting guests. And so, it was funny, I saw a couple faces, like April's face, what? Like, if she could have yelled it out, she'd be like, what? You did not just say that. So some of you had that similar face. Well, you can imagine at this church, I can't believe they said that. How dare they? Jesus said that we're brothers and... But you have to listen to what they said. I want us to listen to what they told this church. They told them a few things that I think we need to hear. Because we say that. In fact, I was listening. I had keen ears. Shane has no idea what I was talking about this morning. And so he was like, you know, we're a family. Because we use that terminology, especially here at Branches. We use that terminology all the time. But we have to be careful. And that's what this organization was saying. We're going to look at the scriptures here in a second. But I want us to know why we need to be careful with this. First of all, for example, for some of you here, even when you hear us say that, we need to realize that some people are going to have this connotation, this kind of feeling when they hear family. They're coming from a broken family. They're coming from a, 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 a place where when they hear the word family or father or mother or brother or sister, there's this like pain that stirs up. 
oh, is that what this is like? I don't want to be a part of that. I'm from a broken family. And so I don't want to be a part of a family. I'm trying to avoid my family. And so there's so much pain involved with that. Um, let's face it. Someone was telling me that uh, this week. They said, you know what? Every family's broken. Think about it. Every family is broken. Every family here on earth is broken to some degree, one point to another. Another reason we have to be careful of using um, that term family was because in a family, quite often secrets will be kept. They may be kept from people within the family, but they can also be kept from people outside because they don't want to bring shame on the family. Now, here at Branches especially, we're pretty much just transparent as it gets or try to be saying, look, we're messed up. If you don't know it, we're going to tell you about it. We're jacked up. But if you bring that term of family, it's that sense of, okay, well, let's keep it secret. Another thing about being a family, they're difficult to join. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I do a lot of weddings. And everybody's smiling, and I look at that married couple, and I'm thinking, you have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> because, you're like, I'm marrying you. Yeah, you are, but you're also marrying all of that. And you are marrying all of that. And it's not as easy as it sounds. Just because you got married doesn't mean you're in the family. Sometimes you're in the family, but everybody kind of looks at you like you're not in the family. And so when you say, yeah, we're a family, then people that are part of that or visiting may go, oh, so you guys are on the inside and I'm on the outside. There's that. We need to know that that happens. Um, another thing that happens when you say that you're a family expecting guests, then you go, oh, you're a church for families. Yes. But we're also for, if, if you're coming in and you're a single mom, then you're automatically going to feel like you're out of place. Or if you're a single dad, you're going to feel like, oh, wait, did they know what I'm going through or do I fit? Or if you're, um, you're just, you're just you. You don't have a husband or wife or kids. You're like, oh, it's a family thing. Great. So I don't fit. Or your kids have already grown up, moved out. You're like, what, is this like, is everybody young? Like, are there going to be kids running around everywhere or? You just feel like you don't fit because where do you fit? I'm divorced. I've been divorced three times. Oh, so this is for families? I don't fit. That's why you have to be so careful. So that's why one of the reasons that this group told this church, quit thinking like a family. Because they're taking all these definitions of earthly families and then placing into the church. Another big one is um, families, they feel like everybody has to be happy. Right? Like there's the big elephant in the room. So let's just ignore that thing so that we can all just be happy because it's Thanksgiving. It's just smiling. Got the turkey. And here, here's your oyster stuffing. Nobody likes it, but here. Let's smile because we all love it because that's it. We're family. And as we've been talking about with this good and beautiful community, like if you're part of this community and you're like, man, it seems like there's, they actually talk about things and actually argue and they, they don't always agree on things. Yeah. That's healthy. That's the same thing we tell marriages. That's also going to happen into a family. Um, but this is the big one. And this is what I want us to hear. We're going to look at what Christ um, emphasized. But the purpose of the church, the purpose of the good and beautiful community, is bigger than just the purpose of a family. And what I mean by that is that our purpose is to change the world, to change lives one at a time, to call people to Christ. And then when Christ and they are face-to-face, -face, or you are face-to-face -face with Christ, he's going to turn your life upside down. 
as we say, he's going to mess up your life. Because the way your life was before, you're laying that before God saying, okay, look, it's your life now. What do you want to do? That's a huge decision. That's the calling that we're called to. We are called to be involved with the last, the lost, and the least. That's why we have uh, the Branches Mall out there. In case some of you are wondering, what's happening? Is this like a mall? What's going? Yeah, it's a mall, but it's a mall for a purpose. To help influence those who are the last, the lost, and the least. Because that's who we are. Now, there are families, individual earthly family units that do that. But so often, we lose track and we try to turn the church into a family. It's supposed to be the opposite way around. I'm going to share some scripture with you that you probably have heard, but you didn't really stop and listen to it because it's really uncomfortable. Um, So let's look first at Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. Because these are the reasons why. These are the reasons why we can't look at the church like a family. Because we need to look at the community of faith the way Christ wants it to be. And uh, in Matthew 12, it says, while Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers, they stood outside. So they're in some kind of house. And it must have been too crowded. They couldn't get in. And they wanted to speak to him. I mean, your mom, you kind of have some privileges that everybody else doesn't have. And, you know, you're the brothers. And Jesus, everybody wants to be near Jesus. But, hey, we're family. We're on the inside. I'm kind of a name dropper. We're related. And Jesus says this. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he points to his disciples. Remember, his disciples are his students. They're not the special ones. They're not the ones that, they're, they're just the people that have made a decision. We're going to follow him. And he points to them and he says, here are my my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That did not go over well, I'm sure, with Mary. I'm sure she was on the outside going, whoa, 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 whoa. I gave birth to you. I walked with you. I'm the one that had to come all the way back to Jerusalem because you went off on your own and you didn't stay in the chariots with the rest of us and we had to come back and get you and you're just going to say, oh, these guys... Because that doesn't feel good, does it? In fact, even as I'm talking about family, I know some of you who are really passionate about your family are going, whoa, whoa, don't you dare mess with my family. God loves our family and that's very important and don't you even try to lower it. I want us to hear what Jesus is doing here. And I want you to hear this clearly. So I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. And you're going to hear these scriptures emphasize this over and over again. The kingdom of God and its demands take priority over human relationships, even of the most intimate kind. That's what he's saying right here. Does that mean he doesn't love his mother and his brothers? No, he's just trying to teach the people that are there. In fact, I don't even know if his mother and brother outside could even hear. They knew that he loved them. They were close. He's not trying to break down the family, but he is trying to redefine it. And we have to be willing, if we're following Christ, to let him redefine to us not only the things that aren't essential, but the things that feel essential to us, like our own family. He says, here are my mothers and my brothers. Imagine what that was like for those disciples. Whoa. You've got to understand, these are Jews Jewish family. Do you know any Jewish families? This would not go over well from those outside and those inside. Like, whoa, you're, whoa, you're crazy, Jesus. Seriously? You really are saying that? That, that 
the kingdom of God is more important than even our families? Let's continue on. Let's look at some other passages here. This, this is uncomfortable for me to read. So I know it's going to be uncomfortable for you to hear. But that's what Jesus does. He says this in Matthew 10, 34 through 37. He says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the world. No, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughters-in-law against their mothers-in-law. Some of you are like, oh, cool, I'm already there. (laughs) Your worst enemies will be the members of your own family. Those who love their father or mother more than me are not fit to be my disciples. Those who love their son or daughter more than me are not fit to be my disciples. Well, boom. So if you're like, I'm, not, I'm from a broken family, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. No, you're missing the point. Because some of you aren't from broken families. You're like, whoa, whoa, what? So let's look at what this means. Do not think that I've come to bring peace. That word peace does not mean shalom. We've talked a lot about shalom. We've talked about what that means. God did come to bring shalom. So he's not saying that there. Shalom means the fullness of all things, the way they should be. Jesus said, I have come to bring life and bring it to the full. But that word, peace, is irene. So if you know someone named Irene, this is what it means. It means tranquil. It means the water is still. There's no ripples. It's just calm. There's no wind. It's peaceful. And Jesus is saying, look, I did not come to bring peace. Shh, peace. No. He says, I came to bring a sword. Does that mean he wants everyone loaded up with swords, chopping each other? No, no, no. You need to understand, this is Jewish idioms. This is the way they communicate. This is the way they speak. So he's saying, look, I didn't come to bring peace to the world, but I came to bring fire. I, I came to bring change. When he talks about setting sons against their fathers, does that mean, yeah, let's make sure they don't get along? No, it's deeper than that. It means that as we come to follow Christ, there are going to be others that don't call to follow Christ. And we're going to have to stand. And he's he's coming to to the, the element of their community, the element of their upbringing that is so held on tightly. There is nothing more important in the Jewish community than family. And he's saying, listen, The kingdom of God, your relationship with God, your commitment to his will be done, his kingdom come above all else, is above even that which is most important to you, your family. Your family instead doesn't determine your relationship with God. The way our families run does not determine this community, but instead God himself will influence this community which will influence our families. And our families will then take on the shape or the mold of what it was intended to be. This is not going to bring comfort. And that's the thing that we sometimes try to do when we, when we say, hey, the church is the family. What that will communicate sometimes is that it's a place of comfort and satisfaction. It's a place of keeping people happy. That's not who we are. That's not what Christ is calling us to. That's not what branches will be. And that's probably not, if you're visiting from another church, that's probably not the passion of that church either. Because our purpose, if you boil it down, is to follow Christ. To 
say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Another way to think of it is like this. I was talking to someone that had this happen, you know, in their family. And you're going, wait, did he listen into my conversation? No, this happens all the time. There's something happening in your family. And you're out sitting there at Thanksgiving. And you've got to talk to someone about something. And you don't really know what to talk to them about. So you hit a subject, right? And let's say the subject is um, they're, uh, they don't have kids. But everyone else in the family has kids, right? And so, of course, they don't have kids. But they should have kids. And so... You tell them that they should have kids. Really? Why don't you have kids? You know, you probably should. And it almost like, feels like an elbow right here in the side, right? And so you're part, and, and really they're doing it out of love. But it's really annoying. And so they're kind of like elbowing you and elbowing you. And so what you do then is, is they think they're spurring and encouraging you. And they are doing it out of love. But because it's annoying to you, and it feels like stirring, and like we talked about over the past few weeks, it feels like, like irritating, like being spurred, like you'd spur a horse. You're like, okay, and you, you nod and you pretend you're like, I don't want to deal with this right now. And so what you do is you cut them off. They don't even know they've been cut off. Oh, but you cut them off. And you go, oh, you know, I'm going to go get something to drink. Do you want something? And you get up and you have no intention of coming back. Even if they ask for something, you're going to find a way to get lost because that's what you do when someone leads in a direction that you don't want to go. When you follow Christ, Even your brother and sister or your mother or your father, if they're following Christ, there will still be conflict because you're trying to figure out what God's will is. By the way, we were talking about this with my friend and he's like, hey, you know what? Are you supposed to have kids? Like, should they have? I was like, Jesus didn't have kids. Like that kind of throws things off. Oh, you're supposed to have kids. Even Paul himself said, hey, I recommend that you don't get married because that way you could really focus on your walk with Christ. Like, we leave those scriptures out. We don't even think about that. That's heavy-duty stuff. Now, I want to make sure I'm really clear here. God is not against families. You know that, right? When he says, I came to set sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughter-in-law against their mother-in-law, that doesn't mean that God does not value family. Jesus himself, God and the Father, they use that terminology. Jesus said, only the Son knows the Father, and only the Father knows the Son. That's the kind of terminology he would use. When he was up on the cross, and he saw one of his disciples and his mom, he said, look, this is now your mom, this is now your son. He would speak in those terminology, but never, never at the expense of it getting in the way of us making that huge decision to say, your will be done not mine. And this is what I mean by that. And I want us to, to close with this. I want to go to the next slide, please. Jesus was teaching us to pray. And he said this. This is how you should pray. Our Father. And that word is Abba, which means Daddy. Which freaked everybody out because you're not supposed to refer to God in family terms. But he's saying, no, no, no. This is how you refer to God the Father. He's your dad. So God is all for family, but we need to see the family the way he defines it. And you talk to your father as if he's your dad in heaven, and you say, holy is your name. And then you say this, your kingdom come, and your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. So what does that look like? Well, Jesus showed us that. Um,
And I think I want to read the fullness of this. So if we could go to Mark chapter 14 in the next slide. And if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Um, I only have Mark 14, 35 here. But I want to start in 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. This was the night that Jesus was betrayed. And he was with his disciples. And he said, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him. He wanted them near him because of how difficult this was. He needed his brothers with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, which is another way to say he was not tranquil. Even Jesus himself was stirred up and uncomfortable. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. And then here in verse 35, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him, meaning going to the cross. We've talked about this before. Jesus is asking the father, hey, I don't want to do this. That's not blasphemous. It's what he says. Abba, daddy, father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. In, in biblical language, in, in Jewish language at that time, the cup is a cup of, of distress. The opposite of tranquil, the opposite of irene, the opposite of peace. But it's good. But it's difficult. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And that's where Jesus settles. He goes, look, take this cup from me. But... Not what I want, what you want, what you know is best, because I trust all wisdom, everything from you, even if it calls, causes me distress, even if it causes me a lack of tranquility, I trust you. And so when this group was consulting with this church and said, quit thinking of it like a family, they meant quit looking at it like an earthly family, like the brokenness of our earthly families, and instead look at it from the perfection of the way family was intended to be with God as our dad, with our heavenly father. And from this, and I can tell you this from personal experience, if you will do this, if you will say, Lord, in every area of my life, my time, my talent, my treasure, the way I look at my wife, the way I look at my husband, the way I look at my kids, my grandkids, my grandparents, the way I look at my neighbor, my job, the way I look at everything, not what I want, but what you want. And I know it's not going to be easy. I'm already prepared for that. I know that as I say this, that I am probably going to get something that's going to make me uncomfortable. That's going to make me not happy, but will really bring me joy. But I trust you, even when I can't see it and even when I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. But God, I'm giving you permission to elbow me. I'm giving you permission to move me where you want me to be, to move my family where you want us to be, because your kingdom come, your will be done. And we cannot let our hunger for comfort or ease or happiness get in the way of the calling of who we are as the people of God. And there are individual families that are living this out. But they are still broken families. And this church, which is doing our best to try to live this out, we are a broken church. But yet we know who we're looking to. And we can 
Picture Jesus sitting there on his knees before the Father, praying so hard and so stressed out that blood was, the, the vessels were bursting, and so they said that blood was coming out of his forehead because he was so stressed that the, the well, I won't give you the whole biology of it, but that he was bleeding because of a lack of tranquility. Why would you go through that? Because you trust God. My wife and I have made some really tough decisions in our life. Saying, yet not what I will, but what you will. And we came from broken families. And pieces of that family have come to fullness. But also, not just with Steph and I and our kids, but in a larger sense, he's brought people around us who have created family the way I think it's intended to be. Oh, it's still broken. But God knows what he's doing. And we need to look to him instead of trying to look to our families to influence it or whatever intimate relationship is defining the way life looks for you. We need to step back and we need to look at God and even offer up our families and say, not my will, but yours be done. As painful as that may be, Lord, lead me. And I have no idea what this means in your life. Like, you know, you usually want to give a practical application. So now go and do this. But all of you have different situations in your families. I have no idea all of the details behind it. But I do know that Christ has called us all to be able to pray this. So I want to invite the worship team up. And they're going to lead us. And we're going to have a time of communion. And um, those who are serving communion, if you could uh, take your places, that would be fantastic. And what we're going to do during this time of prayer as we close up is I want you to, at your own leisure during the next two songs, to take communion. But don't focus on singing the songs. Focus on trying to do what Christ did, which is what we're trying to do as a community of faith, to become more like Christ who came before the Father and said, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Meaning, maybe there is a cup that you feel like God wants something that he's calling you to, and you're like, I ain't doing that. No, I ain't doing that. Maybe you need to tell the Lord, look, I don't want to do that. Maybe you don't have something like that, but ultimately we can all say, Lord, I really do want your will to be done. Your kingdom come, not my will, but yours be done. Can you please show me where we're in different places? Can you bring that to my attention? So to do that, I'd like to invite us all to stand. Um, You don't have to stay standing the entire time, but it's always easier to start standing. Um, And uh, I think uh, Josh and BT will be up here. So if you're in the front half, you can come forward. Um, In the back, uh, it's Russ and Janet. Russ is easy to find because he has the most fluorescent yellow shirt going right now, so that way you don't go to the wrong people. Um, You can choose to come forward or back, but go at your time. Take communion at any time during the next two songs, but use this as a time of prayer, praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we'll leave, um, we'll have the songs up here. Use this as a time of prayer. Father, lead us. Show us what it is to put you above all else. Show us what it is to look at our family, not just our individual families, but this church family, the way that you want it to be. Lord, we just don't think this way. And so we ask, Lord, that you bring clarity to, clarity to us.